Yup Beer, made with all natural ingredients and only $1.85 a can. Available in over 200 locations across Ontario. Visit yupbeer.com to find a store near you. Another episode of the Down by Two podcast. I am your host, Josh Elijah, to my right, my homeboy, Jesse McKay, aka Ayo. Man, what's going what's on, up, buddy? baby? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Oh, yeah, man. I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's it's been uh it's been a long weekend. I mean, it hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving and uh ate a lot of turkey. Feeling a little sleepy. A little sleepy bye. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's we'll we'll get into it. I'm actually very excited for this episode. I've been waiting. We've been sitting on this one for quite some time. The 32nd edition of the Down by 2 podcast. Um uh, but with this, uh, with our guest on this show, we uh, we've had this interview um, canned up for for uh, over a month now, and we just wanted to wait until the beginning of the NBA season to be able to to bring this guy on and and release this episode. Uh, and this is someone that I actually follow a lot of on on social media and read his articles. I find him to be one of the more fascinating and intelligent uh, writers out there. Uh, one of the beat writers uh, for the Toronto Raptors and Sports Illustrated, Aaron Rose, uh, was on our show and uh, was really, really excited to be able to uh, to have him on because he was an absolute treat. And uh, and even just listening to him on Media Day, on Raptors Media Day, and, and the questions that he was asking, like he he brings he brings a different light in a different perspective uh, to some of some of the questions uh, that you, that you would ha- want to be able to ask some of these guys as well. And he's just very intelligent. He knows his sport. He knows his stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a treat to, to have him on our show. Yeah. He, uh, he surprised me. He knew so much about the Raptors. I was like, yeah, damn, I thought I was a fan, but like he does it for, for a living. So yeah, it's, I, I mean like, especially when you just have so much insight into the salary cap situation and, and, and just being able to look at their depth charts, like he just understands each and every player and what they bring to the table better than almost anyone else that I've been able to see out there, which is why I'm just such a big fan of, of his and, and, uh, and was, was stoked to be able to have him on the show. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to jump too much into it because we fucking dive right into it. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll, we'll keep that. We'll put that on the back burner for a minute, but, but for now, I just, I just, I just want to, I want to get it out of the way. I want to talk about it. I want to discuss a little bit, but then that that's it. I guess I just don't know how much more pain and, and what? it's just oh, dwelling on coming. this. Oh, yeah. Man. I just, I, I don't, I, I want to just be able to bury this for now, you know, and, and, and not have to think about it until, until next year. But, um, 
our, our Toronto Blue Jays absolutely crumbling, like shitting all over the bed, if you will, um, in that game two collapse, that mighty collapse. It was a, a postseason record breaking, like collapse that we saw in game two against the Seattle Mariners as the Blue Jays ended up losing 10 to nine. Um, man, where did you watch the game? Uh, what were your thoughts going on throughout all of that? Um, I know I, I just released the article on Dean Blundell talking about what I thought were the pinnacles or the, the pinnacle in that, that moment where everything started to tip into the Seattle Mariners favor. Uh, but walk me through what, what you were going, what was going on with you there, Bird. So I was, um, I actually went out for a walk that day because I like to go, I just like to go for walks on my days off just to, who doesn't like a little just walk? Just to clear my head, you know, yeah, just man. a little oxygen. Uh, usually <laughs> Lots I of that some, on a walk. Uh, yeah, there's, there's <laughs> enough of it out there, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but usually I'm like, you know, listening to a podcast or just listening to music and, I got the notification. Oh, the game's starting. I'm like, well, this is the worst time to go for a walk, but I'm committed. So yeah. <laughs> I, I pull it up on my phone. Dude, I'm like walking around downtown Toronto, just watching the game on my phone. <laughs> and man, like it was, it was fantastic. And I, I really felt like we were, we were going to pull through in that game and it was, it was looking really good. Teo hit that second homer. I was like, oh man, this shit's going right for us, you know? Yeah, you're walking and downtown. You got a pep in your step. You almost walk right into the Rogers Center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right into the CN Phone Tower. In <laughs> <Doink. Yeah>. um, <laughs> and then Oh man. So I, I get home right right when the right when the sixth inning starts. And I'm like, okay. You know, mm. uh, we go, it's, it's eight one and then the bases get loaded and I'm thinking they're going to pull Gosman. I know it because he's loaded the bases and they just, they want a fresh arm in there. And also they wanted to put a lefty against, uh, Santana. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I remember thinking like, man, this is, this is either the best decision or the absolute worst decision ever. And yeah, I went the wrong the way. The opposite way. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing is that I, I don't know if it could have been a good decision at all to pull them. And and that's what I talk about in, in the, the latest piece that I dropped there is that if, if you were if like if this is your guy, Gosman is the one B to me when it comes to aces. I mean, like you got Manoa, who's that's who's the guy you went out and got, though. You went out and you got him moment like that's i mean like that's because we didn't bring robbie ray so we bring in we bring in kevin gosman and i and i love that pickup and i think it was great and you're paying him all this money and sure he worked himself into a mess but you got to be able to trust him to clean up his mess and he wasn't yeah. far out from doing it sure the bases are loaded with two outs but like santana let like, finish the inning man his splitter was dancing like he, he, he everything was working for him but then why would you pull him out for Tim Meza, whose weakness is right-handed batters. <laughs> like You just don't take a lefty to throw up a meatball to a, to, to a, a switch hitter. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess Santana's numbers aren't as good from the right side as opposed to the left, but 
still, I mean, I just, I uh, like, I, you can, and you know me when I watch sports, like, I was fucking livid. I was yelling, I was biting pillows. What did we just, just talk about with Gibby last like, week? And what did we just, Literally. what the fuck did we just talk with Gibby last week? It's exactly verbatim what we were talking yeah, about. It's, cr- it's actually crazy how it's that all so played nuts. out. And we just had that conversation. We were just oh like, oh my God. This is man. happening in front of our eyes right now. This is nuts. And then he's just like, man, if you did that back in my day, like if you're a manager, you did that, you're you don't fired. have a job. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then that's just that's just the thing, man. Like you just you you put too much trust in the numbers and the analytics and you and you don't trust your gut feeling. And and that that's what really started everything. Because of course our defense fell apart. Like Bo played some horrendous defense. And like I, I I still don't like that was not his play to make out in center field. And then obviously, like with just the I guess the atmosphere and you don't hear Springer potentially calling you off or I mean, like that was just a, a complete lapse of judgment in that sense. And, and you know, a couple bloops and, and then everything just falls apart. And it's uh, it really is just unfortunate the way that everything just ended up you know crumbling. And I like I couldn't believe it. I. When when it was eight five, I'm like, this is trouble. This this is. I felt more nervous about that, and then everything, and then everything else kind of fell into place. And I'm like, eh, this this is it. Like I I knew mm-hmm. after that inning that there was there was going to be some trouble because a three run lead, a three run lead. You you can't. There's a different way that you feel with a three run lead as opposed to a fucking seven run lead. Like yep. that is you you you're on your heels, and then that dugout, that Seattle Mariners dugout is fired the fuck up they are ready to go like this is this is a game now and it's only the six like you got time to work and you don't you have no idea what what that does for a team's morale on both ends and to see gosman hanging his head after that is just like all he, that he, work that he, he feels did, he, it just he, he feels helpless shit. he feels helpless because he like he's just like i don't have the opportunity to clean up my own mess yeah and and what does Mesa do he he comes in and spikes one just like and then and then and then coughs up the coughs up the home run to, to Carlos Santana. So I mean, I guess there's there's a few question marks. We're gonna find out, you know, whether or not Schneider ends up um, you know, sticking as the manager. He's the interim right now. I believe that they probably will. They'll still interview for the spot, but I believe it'll it belongs to Schneider. I don't see them going out unless there is some unless they bring Gibby back. <laughs> how do you feel about uh how do you feel about Jordan Romano at the end? Well, I mean, he hadn't pitched more than something like twenty-eight pitches. Uh, it was his season high. And then on the 28th pitch, he gave up that go ahead run. Yeah. So, I mean, like you, you know, his, you know, his ceiling. Did they um, put him in too early? No, I don't think they, I don't think they did. Um, especially, I mean, you could have argued that you put in Simber, but it, it was, a, it was a, a close game at that point. And like, you need your, like, there is no tomorrow. You need your best pitcher out there. Um, maybe leaving him in for a little bit too long. That's that's also just, a, you know, just an, another error of judgment, I think, um, you know, obviously you you could have maybe put in Simber and if Simber struggles after a batter or two, then you can bring in Romano and that buys you a little bit more time and then maybe leverage him in that situation. But it was just it was literally everything that possibly could have gone wrong in these sort of coin flip situations. The Jays got wrong. Management got wrong. Like it was just. In five and two thirds, I'm sorry, you just you don't take out Gosman. And for me, that that was, you know, that that's that's what really was just killing was the me. Start by the of, end it. of it. So, yeah. and I yeah, I mean, like 
it's it's easy to look back and and you know point fingers and whatnot. And, you know, it was just a complete team collapse. But it, it is it is what it is. I mean, as as we are right now, as the roster is constructed, we are looking good next year. So. I mean, we just have to bury the hatchet. My Cardinals are fucking out too. So it's just like, it was just a horrible weekend in that sense. Yeah. Um, and I got my, I got my dick kicked in from all my picks for football. So it was just, Oh, I'm so over betting football, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, like I ended up four and five, abysmal. which is not bad or yeah, no four and five. Um, cause I ended up with the, uh, with Ravens at the end of the Sunday night. But I mean, that being said, um, yeah, betting, betting football, it can be tough, man. It it can be tough. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it is a lot of fun and I'm glad that football season's back. And w- with that being said as well, um, just want to give uh, a, a little shout out to Betstamp as Betstamp has uh, uh, brought us on into their influencer program and uh, been allowing us to um, bring some of you guys, some of you listeners on board to be able to jump on and do an onboarding session with some of us and, and learn a little bit more about uh, line shopping. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of great perks to it as well. So if you are interested, um, we are going to be selecting a few listeners. Uh, so please email us at downbytwopodcast at gmail.com. That's downbytwopodcast at gmail.com. And uh, hit us up because we got some we got some openings for onboarding sessions that we would love to be able to share with you. Um, just again, a lot of different benefits for that. Um, and uh, and then yeah, and then you could listen to our show and and see what picks to make and what picks to fucking not make when it comes to football. But uh, I'm definitely definitely excited. Um, yeah, to definitely be, to don't be... listen to the Birdman when you're making your football <laughs> picks. That's for damn sure. Just wait till <laughs> basketball starts back up, baby. Oh baby, man. I'm yeah. Again, I'm so so excited to be able to bring uh to bring Aaron Rose onto the show and uh and be able to really just just break everything down um and uh, yeah just his takes were, were spot on and um definitely just a, a treat to have on and, and hopefully have him back as well before we jump to the interview though uh and we we talked a whole lot about the Raptors so um and, and honestly not a lot has changed since we chatted with Aaron Rose so it's is coming in at a great time um the Raptors are in the midst of their preseason um any any sort of initial thoughts as we go into this interview and go into this season? Any thoughts about the Raptors? I know that their preseason's been eh, but okay. Um, Scotty Barnes hasn't been what we like what you expect out of Scotty, but it's not time to panic yet, is it? No, 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 absolutely no. not. No, definitely not. The defense is there. The defense is yeah. ridiculous. Like not it's for real. Yeah, not man. Scotty, but as a team. Yeah. Like absolutely. They are so suffocating and they force you into errors and make you cough up the ball. And then you're you're running to the other end. That's that's how they operate. But that being said, the offense looks super questionable. Like nobody <laughs> yeah. can hit a three. People look confused. Yeah, we really got to tighten that up. And mm-hmm. that's that's all stuff that'll that'll come. I think you know it's just reps and practicing the plays. Well, obviously, this is this is it's the preseason, so no no yeah. need to start ringing You're the alarm bells or anything like that. Trying to figure out who's gonna get minutes and stuff, right? So who's yeah, who's making that roster? So yeah, um, there's no I mean, no reason to panic. But man, like five preseason games in, the the defense is nuts. Like it yeah. might be one of the best in the league. 
Yeah, we're really excited to be bringing you our NBA preview uh, for the over under totals for total wins as well as we just released our NHL preview as well. Really fucking stoked about that. So make sure you go check that out on DB2Bets as well. But we'll be doing that preview uh, for that coming at you as well. Um, uh, it, it, it should actually be out uh, by the time that this is uh, released as well. So make sure that you check both our NHL and NBA previews as we're going to be breaking down uh, a good chunk of the teams and where we think that they'll, if they'll uh, over exceed or underachieve. Um, so that's also something that's uh, that's available for you as well. Uh, but look no further as we're going to jump into episode 32 of the Down by Two podcast featuring Sports Illustrated uh, and uh, Toronto Raptors beat writer Aaron Rose. Please enjoy. It's your boy, Josh Elijah here, co-host of the Down by Two podcast and DB2Bets, which now drops every Friday. We wanted to break off a piece of that weekend action, so we decided to move our show over to Fridays. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the hell is even DB2Bets? Daddy, chill. What the hell is even that? Well, DB2Bets is our sports betting show that is powered by Betstamp. We use the Betstamp app to find the best odds available across all different sports books. Not to mention, we have a big fat promo code for you to use when you cash in on all those sweet sign-up bonuses that these top sports books have to offer. We're talking DraftKings, we're talking ScoreBet, we're talking BetMGM, Bet99, Betway, BetRivers, Stake, and dozens more. All you have to do is visit betstamp.app/ontario and use promo code DB2. That's betstamp.app/ontario and use promo code DB2. If you're outside of Ontario, go to the Betstamp app and enter the referral code DB2 in your account and open up a sportsbook directly from the app. And be sure to tune in every Friday and follow along with our picks. Or don't use our picks. Do the opposite. It's your life. Make your own decisions. Just make sure you line shop and please gamble responsibly. another NBA season rapidly approaching. Uh, we have another episode, another installment of the Down by Two podcast and uh, featuring on this episode, I'm really excited to have this guy on as well. I've been following his content online, uh, whether it be Instagram or TikTok, really insightful Raptors coverage as well. So very stoked to be able to have him on the show. We have Toronto Raptors writer for Sports Illustrated, Aaron Rose on the show. Aaron, my man, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Uh, I apologize. Hopefully, we didn't uh, we didn't ruin any dinner plans with the misses as well. Uh, so thank you for to, shout out to her for working around our schedule as well. For sure. Thanks for having me on. We sent her out for the night. So uh, we are good to go in a quiet apartment now. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was for supper? What did you end up having? We ended up having some cooked fish. And then she went out with friends for drinks, and I figured I'd hang with you guys tonight. Yeah, that's Fantastic. not bad. Hey, I mean, <laughs> I, I I had a little fish myself. I did a little poke bowl, so uh, oh, uh, nice. my uh, my fiance can uh, she can definitely sympathize with with your girlfriend as well as uh, 
you know, basically our entire dinner schedule is based around these interviews. So, <laughs> <laughs> so really do uh, appreciate you jumping on with us. Um, I guess for some of our listeners, um, you know, just to give you give them a little bit more of a background about yourself uh, and, you know, where you uh, where you come from. And because uh, I know that you went to school, if I'm not mistaken, in Illinois. Um, does that mean that you were always a Raptors fan or, or do you have any sort of allegiance anywhere else as well? No, so I grew up in Toronto. Okay. Um, local kid, grew up a Raptors fan, a Blue Jays fan. Uh, went to school at McGill, then did journal. Realized I really wanted to take journalism seriously. Went to school at Northwestern in Chicago. That's the Illinois you're referring to. Yes. Uh, came back and covered the Blue Jays briefly for MLB.com, a sort of an internship out of journalism school. Right and on. then took a job in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, a small town, uh, writing for the newspaper there. And then right, actually, the story is the day Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. I think a day that we all remember. Oh, I yes. signed my contract with Sports Illustrated before he tested positive. So I thought I was coming home. We're going to cover a Raptors game. LeBron James was and the Lakers were supposed to be here. And then all of a sudden, a few hours later, we find out something's happening in the Jazz Thunder game, I want to say. Then the world changed forever Mm -hmm. for us and uh, started started covering the team in the pandemic. Then the bubble season, then the season in Tampa. I was abroad. Finally got to see the boys this year um, and have been looking forward to, I guess, season number two of something near reality coming up. soon. Absolutely. Yeah, we definitely can. can relate to, you know, even even when that whole pandemic thing actually started, you know, especially with Rudy Gobert, uh, Bert and I actually split on seasons tickets with a few other uh, with a few other comedians. And we uh, <laughs> we had a couple games left on the docket um, that ended up getting canceled for good, uh, obviously. So um, yeah, definitely missing out on a bit of that season. Um, but, yeah, just been grasping on to every moment of basketball ever since that as well. Um, so uh, definitely looking forward to to this season. Uh, did you did you particularly you mentioned that you were a Raptors fan and a Blue Jays fan? Obviously, we are as well. Uh, but what point did you realize that you that you really have more of a passion for writing for the Raptors? Yeah, I think part of it was the Raptors had been coming off a championship season and the Blue Jays at the time were not supposed to be very good. And I sort of was looking at both and I wanted to see where the passion was. My Raptors fandom, as I think other people's was growing in that time. I I started, I guess, right after the championship season, but there was still a lot of excitement around that team. And then I was just like, where, where is more fun? The NBA, I just feel like it's more fun to cover these days. So, so, you know, I'm equally passionate about both teams. It's just, you know, as you mentioned, I do a lot on social media. Well, I feel like social media is bigger for the NBA. There's always something going on, always something to talk about. And it's more sort of a young demographic. So I felt like it was a better place for me to go if I wanted to do some of those things. So still love both teams, uh, Mm -hmm. but covering the NBA just felt like a more natural fit for me. And it's been really fun for the past couple of years. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, especially being on social media as well. And I definitely think there is more of a presence with the NBA as opposed to the MLB. I mean, you even look at the off season uh, and, and some of the storylines that go on in the off season as well. And, and, and that even still has a huge following um, even without the NBA season being, uh, being active. So uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Would you say, and this is a discussion that we were having yesterday uh, during one of our interviews was you find that, uh, the NBA is probably one of the more global sports, if not the most global sports or globally recognized sports at this point, because in comparison, some of the other ones, uh, I mean, I, I, I would put the NBA above them. 
Yeah, I can't speak to soccer. Um, yeah, that was right. the one exception we agreed on, I think. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but when it comes to you know everything else, and then as you mentioned, the off season is so crazy. Like you know, I monitor my clicks and what's doing the most traffic. And sometimes you know, Kevin Durant obviously was the big name for weeks ago uh, for mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. So it's like I'll write a Kevin Durant story, or I'll do a Kevin Durant TikTok or Instagram, and it'll do bigger, it'll bigger numbers than like you know Raptors beat the Thunder. So so sometimes right. those those off season things are just crazy. Or what is so and so wearing or so-and-so was seen doing this thing like the crazy nonsense of the offseason can be Mm -hmm. better than you know the raptors are changing their lineup tonight or the raptors rotation is getting jumbled up or something so the nba allows for those things in a way that sometimes other sports uh because their characters aren't as interesting. People talk about Mike Trout. Well, he's like the driest guy around. There's nothing exciting to see about him. But when you talk about Kevin Durant or LeBron James, some of these guys are really interesting, both on obviously on the court, but also off the court. Absolutely. Um, we were we were chatting about this uh, briefly before the show and just the different eras with the Toronto Raptors. I, I mean, like you obviously jumped in at a perfect time. Like they had just won. There's so much to talk about and so much excitement. But if there was like another era that you could have hopped right in at the most perfect time for, uh, what would that have been for you? Whether it was like the Vince Carter era or even at the beginning or the Chris Bosh days or whatever. So other other than the pandemic interrupting everything, you know, yes. obviously covering the championship season would have been great. Unfortunately, I was away for that. Right. Um, but just, you know, I read Doug Smith's book that came out right after the championship season. Doug, and yeah. so much has changed when it comes to access <laughs> and you know, even in the pandemic time, so much is over Zoom and so much is you can't go in the locker room and do these things. Well, you're reading Doug's story and it's like he was having beers with these guys or he was, you know, going to the airport with these guys or he knew their families and he was able to talk to them one on one. And it wasn't like these guys were all on their phone. They had nobody else to talk to. And he was able to walk into practice. Right now we go to OVO for practice and we sit in a separate room and wait for the guys to come in the room. We don't get to watch practice. We only get to maybe the last few minutes of practice. Well, it sounds like those stories Doug was standing there right with those guys. So, um, you know, the 1995 seasons and those shortly thereafter were pretty bleak for the team, but at least you got those great stories that I think we all like to hear that I never got to live of, you know, it was crazy. You ran into this guy at the bar, you know, who he was sleeping with and the affairs he was having so-and-so and and we don't get those stories the same (laughs) way, uh, these days. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. Yeah. We were, we've had, um, Eric Smith on the show as well. And just even him, um, you know, doing coverage and broadcasting with, uh, Paul Jones as well. Um, back in the day, you can tell you, he totally alluded to the same thing where it's just like way more access back in those days. Um, as opposed to, um, opposed to what is available now, obviously there's so much more remote access, which is we're able to sit down and do interviews like this on a whim, uh, which is pretty sweet. But, um, in, in that respect, just having more personal encounters, um, I think was something that would be, you know, would have been great if we just were able to take those two errors and collide them with the technology of today yeah. and being able to, you know, do coverage on Vince Carter and uh, and that era of the Raptors would have been pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, when it comes to our 2022-2023 Raptors, uh, I, I would love to hear a breakdown of our starting five by a player. You already started with Fred Van Vliet. Um, I, I would love to get your take on, you know, what to expect maybe with these players as we go into the new season. Yeah, so you're going to start with sort of the the core four, the top four that are pretty easy to line up. You've got Fred Van Vliet, um, Pascal Siakam, and everything we've heard from Pascal Siakam and from Nick Nurse about Pascal's summer is is he's taken another leap. Now, 
You know, I've always been Gotta skeptical. I, I don't think he's going to ever be in an MVP category. I'm, I'm skeptical he'll ever be the number one on a championship team. Now, we're only talking about a handful of guys you can do that. So I don't mean to, like, diminish anything he's done. He's mm-hmm. an all-NBA player. He's a top 15 player. But there are only five or so players or six players who are, you know, number one on a championship team kind of guys. So I'm skeptical he'll ever make that leap. But what he showed last year as a playmaker, as a guy who could get to the rim, as a guy who could create for himself and others was incredibly impressive to see his mid range shot needs some work. Um, and more so than that, his three point shot needs some work. We need to see where he was a few years ago, back in that most improved player season where he was hitting pull up threes and he sort of had that game. Then the pandemic came, he sort of had to, you know, relearn his body. Yeah. He lost some weight. He got out of shape and, and, you know, his game changed a little bit. If he could become a three level scorer again, then maybe we're talking about that sort of that tier of player or something close to that. Maybe instead of being a top 15 to 20 player or whatever it is, he's a top 10 player or 10 to five or whatever it is. So maybe he's getting into that area, especially if he develops that shooting back to where it was a few years ago. But anytime you look at Pascal, you could pinpoint, all right, I want his, the year, the championship season defense. I want the most improved player shooting. I want the playmaking of last season. It's all in there. We've Mm -hmm, seen it at times. We just need to put it all together. So that's my Pascal Siakam speech. Yeah. <laughs> look at Fred Van Bleet. We just talked about it. You look at OG Ananobi, a lot of rumors about him wanting a bigger role this season. He didn't necessarily show it last season. He didn't show that he deserved that. His true shooting percentage, you know, wasn't great. His uh, isolation, you know, points per possession weren't great, but he's a great defensive player. And to me, I look at every championship team needs a guy like that who can space yes. the floor, doesn't need a big offensive role. Now, if he's going to create problems because he wants one, that's a conversation the Raptors are going to have to think about and maybe trade him or maybe, you know, figure out how to manage that. But a guy who can defend multiple positions and defend the opposing team's best player every single night without exerting himself like crazy on the offensive end. I love OG Ananobi in the role he's in now. Well, Even if he never becomes Kawhi Leonard. And, and then the last player sort of of that core four is, of course, is Scotty Barnes. And I don't think he's going to be an all-star next year. I don't think he's going to average 20 points per game next season. Maybe that makes me a hater. Maybe people think I'm, you know, pessimistic on this guy. It's really <laughs> hard to make that jump. But I think he's going to be a whole lot better next season. And, and he's going to make winning plays. And sometimes we saw him make crazy passes that were like, why are you making that pass? You can still make the no-look pass, but just do it consistently and make the right decision more often. And I think we'll see that more often with Scotty next season. When it comes to OG Ananobi and him asking for a bigger role, I don't know if he's ever really put himself in a position where he can. I don't think he can ask for that bigger role because he obviously hasn't stayed healthy. So that's been a major has been a major part of of why, you know, OG Ananobi might be underachieving a little bit. Yeah, and the other thing is if if the Raptors are going to rejig their offense and they're going to keep feeding this guy and, and you know they're going to give him a bigger role, well, if he's going to miss half the season or whatever it is, a quarter of the season, a third of the season, now we got to figure out what to do in those minutes. And maybe it's worth just giving the ball to the best guys and not having to you know figure out what the situation is with OG, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, all the time that he's missing. So the two things, the, Ra- the Raptors want nothing more than OG to succeed. So that means make the most of your opportunities and stick around you know, all season staying healthy to keep making the most of those opportunities. Nick Nurse, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just going to assume, I think it's fair to say, has nothing against OG Ananobi. So he wants him to succeed. He wants, you know, I assume all his guys to succeed. Of course. So 
you know, he wants to put these guys in positions to succeed. They need to prove that they deserve a longer leash. As we saw with uh, Precious Achua, who we can talk about in a second, yes. when you prove that you deserve a longer leash, the Raptors will give it to you. But you mm -hmm. need to earn that leash before, you know, bit by bit before you just, you know, they hand you the reins um, or the keys to the car. Um, so that's my, you know, my opinion is OG really needs to show it and he needs to stay healthy to consistently show it all season that he deserves uh, that spot. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to our boy, Scotty, I mean, um, obviously, we've, we've seen the tapes of him uh, in the offseason and, and the strides that he's been making. But what are those strides that you've been able to see um, just being up, up front and personal and, and being on the on the ground level sort of there? What do you see as those major improvements for him? Yeah, so I spoke to his trainer a little while ago, and he told me he put on 10 pounds of muscle, and you hear these things, and you know, I'm, everyone's in their best shape of their life except for me right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, no, 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 no. You can only see me from the waist up over here, so. I, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we've heard his shooting is better. We've heard his, you know, post play is a little better. We've heard his decision making is better. You know, all these things sound like they've taken a step forward, and, and we're going to have to go and see if he can do it night after night. He doesn't need to be hitting pull-up threes in year two. That's, that's sort of a ridiculous for him he doesn't need to be you know shooting you know averaging 20 points per game and frankly the Raptors have so many mouths to feed if they are going to give OG you know a bigger role offensively if Pascal does start doing those things maybe Gary still needs his shots and needs a bigger role if Fred's healthy in the second half of this or as healthy as he was in the first half of the season and not just the second half of the season where he was banged up the Raptors have so many mouths to feed we'll talk about Precious as I said that mm -hmm. Scotty doesn't need to see his shots per game go up and that's something his his trainer told me they're not focused on they don't care about the shots per game it's sort of not about the attempts it's about the makes so get those percentages up and then the other thing he pointed out and i'm not sure i totally realize there's some other guys on this team who don't shoot free throws very well but scotty was something mm -hmm. at like 72 percent. if he can get that up to 88 percent or whatever it is something like that Mm -hmm. You're adding a, a point or two per game. Um, you make another bucket. Maybe you mix in one three-pointer a night, something like that. Now you're getting close to higher uh, higher efficiency. Now you're getting close to 15, 16, 17 points per night, and you're doing it on higher efficiency, and that's what wins games. We're not talking Absolutely. about empty stats. On a You see most rookies of the year, they're on the worst team in the league, and they get fed every night like Cade Cunningham, where you're putting up big numbers, but they're empty stats. We want to see Scotty put up real impactful stats that contribute to winning, and I think we'll see that this year. Well, absolutely. And that's why I think it was mainly down, obviously, barring any sort of injuries. But I think it was it was down to either Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley for that rookie of the year. And it's because they they were able to be uh, an impactful piece on two teams that uh, were making playoff runs. So um, absolutely. That's that's something definitely we're going to be looking for when it comes to Scotty. Now, we got the four. And I'm interested to hear whether it's going to be precious or what you, or if you think they're going to throw uh, Gary Trent Jr. in there as well. So. My opinion is that I think they should probably play Precious because I want to see that sort of center lineup with somebody like Precious. And I'm, you know, I'm very bullish on Precious next season. I think he's going to what he showed in the second half of this season. He was shooting something like 38% from three point range. Oh, he yeah. plays mm -hmm. great defense. And I think he's going to play even better defense next season. What he showed in the in the playoff series against Joel Embiid. Now Embiid had his way, but he has his way with sort of everyone. But just holding your own for stretches against a guy like Embiid is impressive. He can play multiple positions we saw him at times switching on to Harden and he mm -hmm. allows the Raptors to do that sort of six nine thing that they want to do where they want to switch through everyone you know play one-on-one -on -one defense against every position and I think that's something that Precious does while he also doesn't need such a big offensive workload where you can now you can give OG more shots and now you can give Scotty more shots so that's why I think Pressure should probably start next season. What do I think will probably happen? Nick Nurse talks about being a coach who's going to change his starting lineup every night. He says it every year. I've written it every year. This is the year the Raptors are going to do it. 
Yeah. Never actually does it. So I think Gary is probably going to start. Um, and I think that it's tough to ask a guy in a contract year. He's He has a player option for the following season. So this is basically his last year under contract with the Raptors. We'll assume he'll opt out. It's tough to ask a guy to move from the starting lineup to the bench, even in the sixth man role. Now, to me, to argue for why he should move to that role is we've seen other guys, Tyler Hero, Manu Ginobili, just you know those guys. He's a quintessential Lou Williams, guy who can be a microwave off the bench, who can still play starter minutes and who can take those shots when the bench you look around there's no shooting on this bench now i can come in and i can take shots um and lead a bench unit while playing uh, you know hefty minutes off the bench and averaging 20 points per game now the other thing is we always talk about the starting unit and you know so much focus is put on who's getting their name announced at the starting of the, the beginning of the game and players care about those things even when they say they don't but the truth is it's the closing unit that matters. And I think those are the kind of things that we might see change night to night. While you're going up against Joel Embiid, we need Precious in. Or we need to ride the hot hand. Or we need to, you know, so-and-so is playing well, so we need to keep him in because this is a matchup we need to snuff out. So whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. I could see that changing from night to night based on the situation. And then the other thing is, you know, someone's going to get hurt. And, you know, yeah. you hope it never happens, but we've seen time and time again, someone's going to get COVID. Someone's going to pull a hammy. Could be OG and Anobi. You never Could know be OG and Anobi. <laughs> right. Say, so yeah. Precious is going to start his fair share of games. Gary's going to start his fair share of games. So either way, you're going to have six starters because someone's always going to be out of the lineup. But to me, you know, on opening night, if everyone's healthy, I would start Precious. I think the Raptors probably start Gary. I think so, too. I definitely think that's... Uh probably the direction Nick Nurse is going to take. It is very interesting to, to imagine a lineup of Precious Achua at the five and then uh, obviously Pascal Siakam at the four, OG at the three, and then likely um, just kind of have, uh, you know, I, I would say Fred Van Vliet at the two and, and Scotty running the point. That, that's something think. that I've talked about, uh, you know, all summer is people say, well, who's the backup point guard for the Raptors? Is it Delano Banton? Is it Malachi Flynn? Do they need another backup uh, point guard? Well, that was something they needed to address in free agency. Bring in the most talented guy. Bring in Otto Porter if you like the way he plays. He's another one of these six eight, six nine mm-hmm. guys who can defend multiple positions. He brings that three-point shooting you need. And when Fred Van Vliet comes out of the game, move Pascal Siakam to the point guard. Move Fred Van Vliet over, or excuse me, move Scotty Barnes over to the point guard. Have this six-foot-nine lineup where everyone is six foot eight or whatever it is oh, that is a crazy yeah. lineup and and that we saw nuts. the raptors succeed with that in the playoffs when fred got injured and fred you know struggled in those playoffs but he was playing banged up but when he left mm-hmm. that series the raptors had all these guys so you know people think about what are traditional positions those things don't matter and the raptors don't care about those things anymore so if yeah, you want to yeah. do your one two three four i'm totally fine putting scotty barnes at the one and having him play the point guard you know, every night and facilitating the offense. And as you mentioned, it allows Fred to play the two and move off ball and hit those catch and shoot opportunities that we know he's so, so, so good at. So I think that's something, if we wanted to list out the numbers, I like the way you did there. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of going into the bench and you brought up Otto Porter Jr. Uh, talking about maybe some of the acquisitions that we have in the offseason, uh, our draft pick even with uh, Christian Coloco. Um, how do you see the bench? What are some of the storylines that we need to look out for on the bench? Well, I went on Twitter a while ago and I said, this team is weirdly deep and I took some flack for it. But what I was saying is, you know, this isn't the most talented team. As I mentioned, Chris Boucher probably shouldn't be, you know, the sixth man on a team or whatever it is. It's not like this guy is loaded with talent. It's very similar to the team that it was last year where you had all these question marks about these guys and the bench really struggled. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, you didn't sign, you, you signed Thad Young, he's probably going to play. You signed Chris Boucher, he's going to play. You signed Otto Porter Jr., he's going to play. Uh, yes. Whoever the sixth man is that we were just discussing for the starting lineup, he's going to play. So that's your six, seven, eight, nine spot that's probably all filled. All those guys are going to play. Now, 
Are you playing 10 guys on a night? What's the deal with Delano Banton? Is he just out of the rotation? Maybe. Malachi Flynn hasn't really shown anything unless you believe in pro-am games. <laughs> I, I dropped 70 plus points. Those games. Yeah. Unless yeah, these yeah, are yeah. Raptors uh, pro-am games, you know, I'm skeptical, but does that mean he's out of the rotation and he's going to get no minutes? Christian Coloco, who still strangely isn't under contract. I think that, that probably should happen any day now. He'll yeah. probably spend most of the time in the G League, but... There's really no room for him, uh, you know, in the rotation right now. I would throw him in the G League for most of the season. Ken Birch didn't show that he deserved rotation minutes last season, but he has two more years on his contract, making something like $6 million a year. So is is he totally out of the rotation? And then, you know, Svima Heilig or whomever it is, you have these other guys that the Raptors are bringing into training camp. Again, mm-hmm. it's kind of weirdly deep because there are some guys that you paid that should be getting minutes, and then you have these prospects who – don't you want to get minutes? Didn't even mention Justin Champagny. Prospects, yeah. you want to get some minutes, but you're not going to run 13 men deep uh, in the rotation. So there's really no minutes for them right now. Again, you know, we found out last year a couple of guys get hurt and you need all this depth that you can get. So something's going to happen. They're not going to have, you know, 12 healthy guys every single night. So Champagne and Banton and Flynn will all get minutes throughout the year. But starting night, you know, on paper, if everyone's healthy, they kind of have a lot of bodies. But I think night after night, it'll be whoever that sixth man is, uh, either Gary or Precious, probably Precious. Then it'll be Otto Porter, Chris Boucher, and Thad Young, probably right off the bench like that. And now it's funny when you when you think of those players, like let's let's now think that Precious Achua is coming off the bench. You have Precious and then you have Thad Young, Otto Porter Jr. and Chris Boucher, those are all really tall dudes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your, your benches looks like the starting lineup too. And in terms, like everyone's like six eight, six nine. It's crazy. You're absolutely right. It's that Spider Man game where they're all just kind yeah. of pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't really. It makes way more sense to have someone like a Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench, even though you're absolutely right. I don't think that they're going to do that, and especially with it being a contract year. You don't want to make him go onto the bench and take that six-man role. So definitely interesting as well. I mean, like, I definitely do love all the like the pickups with Otto Porter Jr. I love bringing back Thad Young. And I, I was surprised that we did end up keeping Chris Boucher. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely welcome him back with open arms as well. Uh, so it is interesting to see how this bench is going to sort of shake up and, you know, who's going to earn some of those minutes, whether it is Malachi Flynn, who, you know, we've heard is, has, you know, even well, maybe it's just his dad, but uh, disgruntled with the amount of playing time that he gets. Um, and, and then, you know, Delano Banton and the, and the Svees as well. So it, it really is interesting uh, to you know, I, I just I can't wait for the NBA season to start. Yeah, as I said, they just have so many guys that you're like, well, this guy could be interesting. And, and as you mentioned, with the, with the bench being all the same guys, well, clearly the Raptors want those guys. They built oh, yeah. a team like that. Well, like, uh, another. <laughs> right. Masai Ujiri said to me, he said, like, I want a team full of Preciouses and OG Ananobis and, and Pascal Siakam. So this isn't some flaw in their system where, you know, we're looking at it and saying, well, you need a six foot guy and you need a six foot two guy and you need a six foot six guy and you need a seven foot guy. They clearly don't look at it like this. And, you know, they know more about basketball than all of us combined. So I trust that they know what they're doing and they're just going to, you know, Pascal Siakam can handle the ball and Scotty Barnes can handle the ball and Fred Van Vliet can handle the ball. And they're totally fine having these six foot eight guys handle the ball and try and stop us. Exactly. Try and run through us. Uh, when it comes to any other storylines, um, any any sort of storylines that you think that Raptors fans should keep an eye out moving into this season. Well, it seems like, you know, everything other than that Christian Coloco contract is pretty settled. It seemed like they were holding out for some, you know, cap 
nuances that they wanted to see if they had enough cap space. Were they going to be a taxpayer team? Did they need it for Fred? Uh, sorry, excuse me, uh, Kevin Durant. Did they need that extra space? Uh, were they going to hard cap themselves or not? It seems like that's probably done. The big outstanding question right now is Donovan Mitchell. I don't think the Raptors are going to make a trade for him. It seems like he's either going to stay with the Jazz for the start of the season before they eventually trade him, or he's going to go to the Knicks. But what's the deal with Christian Coloco? I feel like uh, Brian Windhorst. Do I have to do the the pointy fingers thing? Until (laughs) Christian Coloco signs the contract, it seems like the Raptors are trying to keep space open in case something happens. So what's happening in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, <laughs> uh, I love it. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely I, it should happen in the next few days. I, I would imagine that as well um, as the season progresses. I mean, do you do you find that there are any sort of holes um, that the Raptors may need to address later on in the season? Obviously, things will definitely shake up. Uh, but are there any sort of holes that maybe some, you know, any sort of trades that you would like to maybe see them be able to address any sort of needs that they have? The big name that everyone seems to be bringing up, and they brought it up all year last year, and I'm sure it'll happen again this year when the Indiana Pacers go in the tank, is Miles Turner. And to me, you look at him, and he makes a ton of sense for this team on paper. And we'll go back to my on-paper reality thing here in a second. Mm. But he's a seven-footer. He can block shots. Um, he can stretch the floor. He can do some of those things the Raptors want. He's he's kind of okay switching onto the perimeter. Pretty good for a seven-foot one guy or whatever he is. And he yeah. can shoot the three and space the floor, something the Raptors desperately need. Now, again... I have a question. He said to the athletic when he was, you know, disgruntled with Indiana because they were playing him and Sabonis together that he wanted a bigger offensive role and he wanted to be not just a role player on a team, but he wanted to sort of be the focal point of an offense for a team or, or one of those guys, maybe the top two guys on an offense. But if you're bringing him to the Raptors, you're not giving him that role. So he's going to go from being, you know, somewhat unhappy being a third, fourth, fifth option on the Pacers to now being Maybe someone unhappy being the third, fourth, fifth option in Toronto. Now, maybe winning cures that. But at the same time, this is a guy who has a contract coming up and he wants to be, you know, a focal point of a team. And he's not going to be ahead of uh, Fred VanVleet. He's not going to be ahead of Scotty Barnes. He's not going to be ahead of Pascal Siakam. And then if you trade for him, you're leaving Precious Achua, who, as I said, I'm very bullish on. And I want to see what he does in year mm-hmm. three or year two with the Raptors in, in essentially his, we'll call this his sophomore season, because I feel like that year in Miami, he didn't really do much. Right. But you're moving him to the bench and you're saying, all right, now you're the backup center and you're sort of in a different position. So I really want to see what this team does now. We can figure out what trades they need down the road. But I really like this core. Um, yes, they might absolutely. need a little bit more shooting, but if. Scotty Barnes gets a little bit better in shooting. He doesn't have to be hitting pull-up threes, but if uh, Pascal Siakam gets back to where he was a few years ago, if Fred Van Vliet is healthy the way he looked in the first half of the season, if uh, Precious Achua looks like he did in the second half of the season. Now, I've said if four or five times, and all these things aren't going to come true. But if you stack a couple of these things together where everyone gets a little bit better with their shooting, and this guy... I'm talking about things we've seen before. So I'm not, these aren't projecting crazy jumps, except for maybe Scotty Barnes, but uh, Pascal Siaka, Precious Achua, things we've seen from them. If they can do those things, the Raptors might have a pretty good shooting team. They don't have to be crazy good that we're not talking about the Golden State Warriors here, but you add Otto Porter and maybe you can cobble together a pretty good offense, include those offensive rebounds and those second chance opportunities. Maybe the Raptors can put up some, a pretty potent offensive numbers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I definitely think, you know, just with the, the emergence of players like Scotty Barnes or even Precious Achua, that's obviously going to bring down the usage rate for Pascal Siakam. And you don't have to rely on him as much. And then that will obviously make him a little bit more effective, I find. And you might have more you might have better looks available on the perimeter as well. 
Uh, but you talk about Miles Turner, and you know, as much as I love to fantasize about it at the at, you know every trade deadline, and it's like, oh, it's gonna happen. I see some sort of source, something, something. It's in the works. At this point, I don't know if it really does make sense. And also, it might be kind of the same sort of thing that we were talking about with OG Ananobi. It's like you're asking for a bigger role, but you also you just can't stay healthy. So I'm not sure if that's something the Raptors need. Right. And again, they don't have, they have so many mouths to feed right now. Are they going to bring in this guy and start feeding, you know, feeding him all these shots? Now, the one thing that people talk about is every year it feels like there's somebody available, some superstar available. Obviously, Kevin Durant is probably a step above the guys we've seen in the past, but it's been the Jimmy Butlers, the Ben Simmons. You know, I'm trying to think of all the names, James Harden's every year. Somebody's unhappy and everyone's like, should we move all these picks in and should we go out and get this guy? Donovan Mitchell's another one who mm -hmm. before Kevin Durant asked for a trade, everyone was like, should we, should the Raptors go get Donovan Mitchell? Something is going to happen this season someone's going to be unhappy i don't know who it is today but next summer somebody's going to be unhappy and ask for it to be out and then maybe next summer the raptors are in a position because they saw what precious achua looks like in year two with the organization they mm -hmm. saw what scotty barnes looks like in year two with the organization then maybe there is a passing of the guard maybe you know gary trent jr doesn't work or maybe og Ananobi doesn't work with this group or maybe pascal siakam i'm not saying this is going to happen but maybe pascal siakam and scotty barnes don't work together i think they will but Maybe sure. something goes wrong. And at that yeah. point, the Raptors are a little bit more mature and they know what they have. And next season, you go out and you trade Pascal Siakam or you trade OG Ananobi, you throw in a couple picks. Maybe Masai Ujiri does that. And you have a core that you're really excited about. But this year, let's just see what they do in year two. They sort of defied expectations last year. Maybe they'll defy them again. I don't think they're a championship team this year, but if they could be you know, again, a five seed in the East, an Eastern conference that is, you know, a lot better than it was last year. If you have the Nets better, you should have the Hawks better. If they can be a fifth seed or a fourth seed in the East, that might be really optimistic. But if they can do that, then you next summer, you look at it and say, what do we have? How can we make it a little bit better? When we think about that Kawhi Leonard trade, the Raptors had hit their head against the LeBron James ceiling so many times. Masai Ujiri knew this didn't work and he was willing to make the trade then. I don't think Masai Ujiri knows that this team doesn't work. Let's see if this team works before we go out and make a big trade. I totally, yeah. I totally agree. I, I absolutely agree. And and bringing up the East as well. Um, and, and Bird, <laughs> I'd love to get your your opinion on this as well. I mean, I definitely think the Raptors are, you know, they can definitely attain a fifty win se uh, season. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the teams that? You th how do you think that they fare in the East? Do you think that they could even surpass that? Maybe go for a third seed because there are some teams like the like my Miami for perfect example that you know they have some some age issues and they, they're starting to decline a little bit i don't know do you see the raptors being able to make any sort of stride past that what everyone kind of expects them to be at yeah well i think i think boston and milwaukee you can probably pencil in to the extent that you can ever pencil in anyone you know a Giannis injury or a tatum injury totally changes the game but sure. those two teams look like they're sort of in a class of their own right at the top now are we getting James Harden from a few years ago? Or are we getting the James Harden we saw in the second half of the season where he couldn't move his hamstrings and he was a step slow against the Raptors? <laughs> if yeah. he's, you know, back to James Harden, he was a few years ago, and I'm skeptical we'll see that, but maybe the 76ers have a great team. They made some interesting moves this summer because he was able to take less money and bring in guys like uh, P.J. Tucker. Maybe Miami is able to run it back. Tyler Hero takes a step forward. Maybe Kyle Lowry, who was called out by Pat Riley to lose some weight. Maybe some <laughs> of those family issues he had off the court, whatever they were, and we, we hope he's okay, but maybe he comes back and he's a little bit better. Now, Father right. Time is catching up with him, but maybe that team, in, you know, you never want to get bet against the Miami Heat. They mm -hmm. find a way to always get it done. Uh, yeah. Brooklyn Nets, again, 
I don't know where they're going to be. On paper, they should be right up there in the East, the third or you know, second, their third seed. In NBA two K, they're seat. always they're always great. So I don't know how you do. I don't know if there's a turmoil issue or a turmoil ranking in NBA two K, but that's what they need. <laughs> just for some reason, they're just going to start falling apart in middle of games. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> maybe they fall badge. apart and yeah. fall out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawks should be really interesting. I really like Murray as a player, but Absolutely. they took a step back last year and there were nobody really had a great answer for why that was. No. Um, Chicago Bulls were interesting at times last year. Maybe they're sort of in that conversation. Let's see. I'm sure just like Raptors fans are super excited about what year two of Scotty Barnes is, Cavs fans are like, Evan Mobley is going to be an all-star next year having the same conversation. So they could take a step for it. I see the Raptors sort of being in that four, five, six, maybe seven seed territory. I think they, they could take a step forward, maybe win more games, maybe look better, while also falling down the standings because the East is so much better. It would be really hard to crack that top three or four, but... As I said, anything happens, some injuries happen. Scotty Barnes is better than I probably predict him to be next year. And maybe you're talking about a third or a fourth seed in the East and, and you know, a second round or third round playoff berth. It's possible. I'm probably a little bit pessimistic when it comes to those things. I think the Raptors will be better. I'm just not sure you'll necessarily see it in the standings. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bird, any sort of uh, any sort of takes? Usually your preseason takes and uh, um, <laughs> are pretty spot on as well. I mean, like yeah. you're, you're you're dead on with the with the Bulls as well last year. Um, any any sort of uh, any sort of outlooks on the Eastern Conference and how the Raptors fare? I mean, I'd, like I always go with like uh, kind of like reverse process of elimination, kind of like who's who am I automatically penciling in and mm-hmm. who's who's getting bumped down. Right. Mm-hmm. And. Like you said, I think it's going to be a a dogfight between, you know, the Bulls, the Nets, the Hawks, the Cavs, even the Hornets. Like, uh, are we going to get a healthy Gordon Hayward season? Because when he was he was on, he was incredible. And that team was really good. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just it it might come down to the last couple of weeks and there's going to be a lot of shuffling of the decks. But Mm. I, I think that top four is pretty much set, in my opinion. So anything under that i'm happy with but i yeah i mean i they could be five they could be 10 like i it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how it plays out oh yeah no they could be it could it could be a matter of games just between you know it's like solidifying a spot in the playoffs and uh them being in the play-in tournament one more time thank you so much aaron rose for uh jumping on the show with us always happy to talk raptors and uh really hope that we might be able to uh have you back on the show and revisit some of these takes that we had uh here today uh maybe midway throughout the season and uh you know see what kind of pans out and what didn't Sure, when the Ra- when the Raptors are the one seed in the East and the Brooklyn Nets have, uh, I don't know, fallen <laughs> apart. Close to playoff contention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thanks again, Thanks Aaron. Really do appreciate it. Cheers. And there you have it. That's Aaron Rose, again, Toronto Raptors beat writer and Sports Illustrated. Um, yeah, it, uh, man, great. And be sure to follow him online as well. Um, he's got great content on Instagram and TikTok. It is also just very insightful. It's just a great dude to be able to chat with and um, and, and chop it up with. So uh, we'd be looking forward to having him back on the show again as well. Um, Birdman. We got stuff on the docket. We, we, got, <laughs> we, 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 tend, to, we tend to really... 
jam it into our schedules, but we got a ton of stuff coming up, a bunch of bets that are coming up. I'm going to be bringing on a bunch of special guests as well for that. Um, but be sure, uh, again, if you are interested in uh, in doing some onboarding with our boys over at the Bet Stamp, Bet Stamp, Bet Stamp, hit us up uh, down by two podcast at gmail.com. Uh, would love to be able to hear from you guys and we'll be able to set up um, an onboarding session and uh, just learn out some more tricks of the trade, if you know what I mean. Couple parts, <laughs> hey, baby. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, any final thoughts before we before we clock out here? Um, any sort of any sort of uh, I guess uh, takes going into the NBA season? Any mm. teams that you're really excited to to be able to watch mm. and, and see how they pan out? Um, I'm actually this might sound weird. I'm excited to watch the Sacramento Kings. Dude, I, I knew you were going intrigued. to say that. And you know what, man? I I I just want to see him do something. Like I want to like you know what? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I thought it was pretty surprising that Tyrese Halliburton was was shipped for for DeMontis Sabonis. I'm surprised that they did that. But they want to have the Fox and Sabonis combo and then your boy Keegan Murray, man. I know mm-hmm. you're high on him. Tell me why. Why are you so excited about this this King squad? He, well, I'm excited to watch Keegan Murray because he just looks NBA ready. Yeah. I know I like pretty much all the top five or six picks kind of look NBA ready, which yeah. is oh, nuts. Man. Like, how crazy is it that we get to watch these young guys come in and just immediately be great? Like, it just never used to be success. like that. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, you look at Scotty last year, Evan Mobley, like, even Cade Cunningham turned it on halfway through. Like, well, we're I mean, so spoiled now with these with these I'm, kids, man. It's it's insane. Lamelo Ball making an All Star team his second year in, like that never used yeah. to happen. Never. I mean, just to put it into perspective, just because I had him on fantasy last year, this guy was yeah. like top ten, top fifteen fantasy producer, and that's that's usually a good indication of a player right? skill, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and just stuffing all the so stats on the board. So it's Keegan Murray is another one of these guys, man. He just he he's got the basketball IQ. He he looks like a natural out there, and he's athletically gifted. So does and, that mean uh, that you're gonna be also excited to to catch a little bit of the Pacers as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because <laughs> I took Benedict Matherin. You know what though? That, Benedict Matherin. Benedict. 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 <laughs> what a name <laughs> i love it but th- yo this guy came out and he's like uh what did, what did he say he was like uh i'll have to see if lebron james is better than me once we face each other or something like that like he's <laughs> got balls yo yeah dude my guy wow chill bro i'll to wait and see but i but i kind of let me get a couple of this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> look up a couple highlight videos (laughs) but uh man i don't know if you have balls to say something like that you gotta be something special yeah you don't say that if you're just dog shit yeah yeah man absolutely i mean 
Hell, I I like watching some of the some of the those shittier teams, you know, especially like eh, not for nothing. Like Orlando, you're you're trash. But I mean, it's yeah, there. I'm excited. Nice to, young core though. Yeah, nice. I yeah. mean, you got Cole Anthony and 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 Bancaro as well. Um, you, you got your you got your centers. Um, you know, Wendell Carter and, and Bamba still is still improving. Um, hopefully, Sad to see Suggs go down. Suggs go down. Yeah, it's it sucks. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for real though. Shut and then like John- <laughs> 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 then Jonathan Isaac as well. You hope that he's healthy. And like these are some of the storylines yeah. that like some of these young teams that you really just want to see them figure some shit out, you know. And and same thing. Like uh, it, it really does suck. Like OKC again, another rebuild year, and ever like who knows. Like everyone seems like they're about to tank for for uh, Webb and Yama, who's like, again, yeah. just a, another generational Alien. talent that's coming in, too. So it's like, man, it's 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 crazy. I, I, I like watching these these lower tiered teams and and seeing how they figure things out and um, and to see some of them rise above. Um, but yeah. We'll, oh, we'll, yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask, like, uh, these these aren't younger teams, but quite the opposite. Uh, Brooklyn Nets and. LA Lakers, man. What do you what do you think of those two? <laughs> how do you how do you think it's gonna pan out for them? I mean, Brooklyn's either gonna be sick or gonna be fucking dog shit. It's it's like it's one or the other. I mean, yeah, again, you just it seems like you just have a bunch of ragtag lunatics that are just put together on a team again. I mean, like, sure, you got some you pick up pieces like Royce O'Neal and and then you got TJ. Hey, he's Warren. not bad, all right. No, he's not bad. I'm saying you pick up pieces like Royce O'Neal, and then you, if TJ Warren can be healthy, then you got You're TJ guessing, Warren, bro. And then and then like and then but then Patty Mills, you got these random, you got these random players, and it's just like it just doesn't feel like it. Like you don't, I don't know what their system is. I don't know what there's like. I don't think Steve Nash knows either. So it's just like with, with the Raptors, you know what you're getting and you go out and you get players that fit within their system, within their culture. But with the Brooklyn Nets, there's no system. There's no culture. And I, I don't <laughs> – it's just confusing. And But like if they can figure something out with Ben Simmons, I mean like that would be – that would be great. I mean like I'm going to be – I'm definitely going to be watching them because they're just got to be one of the most interesting teams out there. Um, and for the Lakers, yeah, fuck the Lakers. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm already tired of thinking about them already. It's like, eh, yeah, like yeah. I think, I think LeBron James can probably have a huge fuck you year. This look, I can still do this. Um, Russell Westbrook. I mean, apparently they're working on the kind of touches that he's getting and, and not having to put up those shots that, that he's been bricking. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the, the Lakers. If, You're over it play play in maybe who knows um <laughs> or they just fucking dominate and and they just destroy yeah. like patrick beverly is is the, oh, the yeah. missing piece <laughs> yeah 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 so who fucking knows and quite honestly who fucking cares <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real uh, there's a, uh, it's all anyone talks about eh? i had I to bring know. it up just because of how bad they were I, both of them i know right? i know i know basically and they're healthy, mirror images so, yeah yeah mirror images of each other in their performance last year. So, um, but with that being said, I mean, like we, yeah, make sure you go back and check out our NBA refresher, uh, or preview episode, uh, for all of the different, uh, takes that we have on the different teams, 
um, throughout the NBA and where they're going to rank throughout the year um, and do the same for the NHL uh, preview episode as well as the season is now well underway. Um, but for Josh, yeah. Elijah, Jesse McKay, the bud man and our homeboy, Ooh. Mike Fulmer, as he's as he's nursing little Charlie horse at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie horse. Uh, <laughs> uh, we miss you, bro. We miss you a lot. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. We're on the we're on the chew tube now, too. So go check that out as well. Um, and make sure you check us out on Dean Blundell, the Dean Blundell Network, as well as we're posting articles on a daily or weekly basis as well. Uh, betstamp dot, uh, betstamp dot app slash Ontario or slash onboarding. Use that promo code DB2. And of course, yup beer. We love our yup. Yup. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you guys soon. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel begins Friday, September 23rd. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.